Awesome. All right. Plug do, this do, in do, here. Do, and do, we got do, this do, set do, up. Do, this do, looks do, great. Do. <laughs> <laughs> put that there. Oh, hey, Simon, how hey, you doing? Hey, Vince, how you doing, man? It's good to good. see you. Oh, it's good to see you, too. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad I ran into you. I was thinking about that conversation that we had last week about giving to the church. You know the whole tithing thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and? Well, the thing is, I love God, mm -hmm. and I trust him with my life. I'm just not sure about the whole money situation. I'm not sure about where my money goes after I give. You know what I'm saying? Oh, sure. Okay, for instance, you buy a car, mm -hmm. you get a car. Right. You buy a movie ticket, you get to see the movie. I just want to know what happens to my money after I give. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. As a matter of fact, my latest invention was, was created with that exact thought in mind. Behold, the Tide Used Return and Tracking Location Experiment, or TURTLE for short. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what does that do? Oh, well, when you attach these microscopic advanced modified tracking devices to your money, this device, through the power of scientific technology, will show you the exact use of that money. Yeah, I didn't see anything in there. Uh, well, yeah, they're microscopic, so, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and put these on. Now, I've already uh, tagged the money that I gave the church last month um, with these tracking devices, and I've programmed it into the machine. <laughs> Go ahead, just, just put them on. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, okay. See. Okay. Uh, you look good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Here we go. <laughs> Test. Wait, what? Test. What? Number one. Why are we testing? Hold on. No, don't. All right. All right. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. This is awesome. Yeah. Okay. All right, so, uh, okay. So, what do, you, what do you see? You see anything? Yeah, I see a prisoner reading a Bible. Excellent! That means it works! That also means that uh, some of the money I gave last month to the church hmm. must have gone to the prison outreach ministry. That is so awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, wait, yeah. wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, okay, now it's something that called to arms. What is that? Oh, 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 that's great. I'm glad some of my money went to them because they do so much for the military families in ah, our community. Oh, yeah, that's gotcha, great. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Okay, now it's just the bridge church. Must be a malfunction. What's that? Oh, no, that means that some of my money went to the upkeep of the church. Ah. You know, things like electricity and air conditioning and lights and all that. That's not cheap, you know. That's okay, money. okay, oh, yeah. yeah, got you on that one. Hmm? All right, let's see. Uh, hey, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Now it's just Pastor Farrell holding a Bojangle box. It's, what? Uh, yeah. Well, that's that must I be see. a glitch or something. Right, right. Unless Pastor Farrell used some of my money to buy him some Bojangles. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, hold on. Right, Change it again. Change it again. All right, what? okay. So now it's just somebody praying with Pastor Andy. Oh, that's probably the Broken Chains ministry. Ah. That's the ministry that helps people to break addictions of things like drugs and ah. alcohol, pornography, and eating disorders. It's a really important part of our church. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, got it. Oh, right. Hold on. Uh, whoa, now it's just all the bridge pastors. Oh, no, that's great. Huh. Uh, that means that some of my money went to pay the pastors. I mean, these are the guys that, you know, they write the sermons and they teach classes, they uh -huh. minister to the sick, and uh, plus they disciple others. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm glad I can help pay them. Oh, yeah, you know? those guys are good. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Hold on. Oh, now it's just a woman holding a baby. She looks happy. 
Oh, well, our yeah. church, uh, we support the Wayne Pregnancy Center. I mean, what they do is uh, they help young women through their pregnancies, plus they supply, hmm. like, parenting classes and other services after they have their children. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I think that's all we got. Uh, okay. Uh, whoa. Dude, that was awesome. Oh. You know what? I get it now. Uh-huh. I see what happens and how my money can benefit some of these, you know, ministries. I think I've even benefited from some of these ministries, and my family has, too. It's good to know where my money goes after yeah. I give. Yeah, it, well, it makes me feel good to know that my money, combined with other believers' money, can make all that happen. One person can't do it alone, you know. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I yeah. think me and the wife are going to go pray about this whole giving to the church thing Great. and get our lives right with this whole tithing. I appreciate your time, Vince. I'll see you later, man. Okay? Oh, you're welcome, Simon. Right. And I think I'll go have a conversation with Pastor Farrell about that glitch. Right. All right. Good to see everybody in church today. How many of you are glad you are? You're already glad you came. You're already glad. How many of you are hoping I won't mess it up? All right, okay, all right. We are so glad you're here today. Thank you for going to the bridge. You know what one thing we're sure about is we got an awesome community. We live in a great community, don't we? And we got great churches in this community. So it honors us that you chose to be here at the bridge today. And we just want you to make yourself at home. And uh, we're going to challenge you with the word because i got to tell you, the word I'm bringing today is a challenge to me personally. So God, excuse me, God is speaking to all of us here today, and we are growing in our relationship with Him. Let me remind those of you who are new to our church, and you're ready to find out how to go a little further in your relationship with the church. You want to find out what your next step is in getting involved or just learning more about the church, just finding out more about us right after this service. I believe it's across from the bookstore over here. We're having what we call connections, and we'll only keep you for like five minutes, and we'll just give you some information so you can look at it and kind of figure out what your next step is here at the bridge to becoming involved um, more so here at the church, okay? We're learning in this series, and let me just say to all the new people today, all the new attenders, if you're here for the first time I'm going to talk about money today, but I want to clarify that we don't preach on money every Sunday, okay? I get blamed for that, man. I heard about it this past week. Somebody said, I know a couple of families who visited your church for the first time, and you were preaching on money, and they were like, really? Really? I go visit, and they're talking about money, and they didn't come back because I guess they thought we do that every Sunday. Can I tell you that we do one sermon series per year? talking about finances. Do you understand? Do you know that the Bible has a whole lot to say about money? Y'all can be louder than that if you want to. Do you know the Bible? Had, do you know Jesus had a lot to say about it? Do you know we are a Bible church? And how much of the Bible do we believe? And the Greek for all is we believe all of it. And so we have to bring you all of the Word of God. We, I say we have to, we get to. It's a privilege, it's an honor. And what we're talking about is how to be blessed. And I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be under God's blessing. You want to be, as we've said in this series, under the spout where the blessings are coming out. And so we're getting our thinking right. We're, we're looking at how we perceive our wealth. We're looking at how we perceive our money. We're looking at how we perceive our resources, how we look at it, how we view it. 
As a matter of fact, what we're trying to do, and I put myself in this group too because I'm still working on it too, is we want to get our mind aligned with God's. We want to think about it the way God wants us to think about it. Uh, you know, a heart of generosity is inseparably linked to the blessed life. If you want to live the blessed life, then you have to live a life that is generous. To be blessed, uh, you'll see this on the screen, it means that you have the supernatural power of God working on you and the supernatural power of God working in you. To be blessed doesn't mean you have a lot. It doesn't mean you have little. As a matter of fact, being blessed doesn't have to do with what you have or don't have. Being blessed doesn't have to do with what you make or don't make. We have a tendency to focus on what we don't have. We have a tendency to fixate on what we wish we had. But God's teaching us in this series to look at our wealth. And you say, wealth? I have no wealth. Well, we've already, we've already looked at how we live compared to the rest of the world. And if you'll do that, if you'll do that little study, research, and go back and look at the other messages in this series, you know, guys, that we are blessed to live in America. We are blessed to live in this country. We're not a perfect country, but we are blessed to live here. And the people said, amen. amen. So, excuse me. So what we want is to be blessed, and that is to know that God's hand is on whatever we have. Whether it's a little bit or whether it's a whole lot, we want God's hand, not just on our money, but on our family. We want God's hand on our parenting, and the parents of teenagers said, amen. We want his wisdom. We want his hand on our marriage. Uh, we want his hand on our business. We want his hand on our career. We want his hand on our mental state. We want a healthy mental perspective. We want God's blessing on our life. That's what we desire. And to be blessed is directly linked to how we think about what we already have and what we do with what we already have. The key, again, to living a life that is blessed by God is directly linked to a heart of generosity. It begins with you. It begins with your generosity. It begins with the mindset that says, if I'll let God get it through me, then I know God will get it to me. See, we want God to get it to us. We want the blessing. What we struggle with is how he wants to bless us and then for us to be like him and be a blessing. So let his blessings flow to us and then through us to whatever need he puts on our heart. So we're talking today, today's message is about the blessing test, the blessing test. God literally tests us, he gives us a test to determine if he can trust us or how much of his blessing he can trust us with. Now I got to tell you, when I was in school, um, I was not a test person. I didn't like tests. Who's with me? Y'all didn't like tests? I hated tests. I hated tests. Most of the time because I hated to study for the test. That's why I hated the test so much. But I didn't like tests. But I'll tell you, a, a policy I, um, I developed for myself, and the policy was no matter what the question is, I'm putting something down. I'm writing down an answer. Now, sometimes the teacher would just laugh out loud at some of the answers I put out. And once in a while, you know they, what they say about a, a pig finding an acorn? Sometimes any old pig can find an acorn and get something right. 
And so once in a while, my teacher would not go, not start laughing because I, I, she couldn't believe the answer I put down. But sometimes she would go, oh, he got one. And, and she had no idea that it was a wild guess. And, um, you know, I don't care what the government says. Um, as long as there are tests in school, there's going to be prayer. Amen. Amen. Uh, let, me just, um, let me just give you some questions and answers I found from some kids. I did a little research, and here's some of the uh, answers they put down. And guys, just uh, put the question up, then hold for a second, and then we'll look at the answer. So here was one of the questions on one of the tests that the kids did. The first cells of the body, the first cells were probably, and the answer is, they put, we're waiting, now you can do it, lonely. That's what the answer was. We really killed that, didn't we? Go back to the slide, and let's work on that timing a little bit better. So y'all act like y'all hadn't seen this one, okay? The first cells were probably lonely. Now you get it? All right, all right. All right, we got our timing down now. We got our timing down now. Uh, here's another test question the kids were asked. Imagine you lived at the same time as Abraham Lincoln. What would you say to him? And this kid put, I would tell him not to go to a play ever. <laughs> now, this next one looks like one I would have put down. This looks like one of my answers. What ended in 1896? Answer, 1895. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's, bri that's not wrong. That's not wrong, is it? That's what I was thinking. I love this one. This looks like one I would have answered. Where was the Declaration of Independence sign? This kid put at the bottom. <laughs> Down at the bottom is where they signed it. Somebody already thought of that one or Here's one. I love this one. What is the highest frequency noise that a human can register? This kid put Mariah Carey. It's the highest frequency. How many of you love the music of the 80s? You like the 80s music? You know, mullets and stuff. <laughs> Kentucky Waterfall. Anyway, so here's a, here's a, this was just for fun. Rick Astley, Rick Astley's never going to, no, oh, stop, give you up, let you down, make you cry, hurt you, or all of the above. Let's all go. Y'all ready? Never going to, come on, give you, all right, well. <clears throat> I know if you're visiting, you're going, this, this, this is different. This is a different church. So in this message, we're talking about this principle of a test. God is going to test us, test us, the blessing test. God actually does a test with us to see if he can trust us with his blessings. And here's the scripture we're going to go to today, and it'll come up in just a minute. But Philippians 4, if you want to get your Bible, if it's on your phone or on your iPad or whatever. Philippians 4 is where we're going to kind of camp out a little bit today. Uh, the Philippian church, this church was filled with a lot of new believers, just like the bridge. 
And I think that's a good thing for a church to have a lot of new believers. That means people are coming to Christ and uh, people who haven't been committed to Christ are now committed to him and they're learning and this church was like that. So the book of Philippians teaches people how to follow Christ. The book of Philippians teaches people how to live like Christ. This book of Philippians, uh, Paul wrote, teaches how to serve together as a team with other Christian followers, other Christ followers, and how to take care of each other. We want to focus on how Paul sums up this book. So we're going to go to chapter 4. And in chapter 4 is what I believe is one of the greatest commandments in the whole Bible. It's already up on the screen here. And uh, the greatest commandment in the Bible, the reason I think it's one of the greatest is because it's so comprehensive. It's so all-encompassing. So let's look at it. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Everybody read it with me. Can we say this together? God will meet. Everybody say it loud when we get the yellow words. God will meet all your according to his glorious riches. And where are those? In Christ Jesus. That's good stuff right there. I love that. I love that verse. How many of y'all know that verse? You've read it. You've heard it. You're like, man, I just live by that verse. How many of you also know when you read a verse like that, you have to read the verses before it and the verses after it? Because if you don't, you'll take that out of context. And you'll say, man, God is like a genie in a lamp. I can just rub the lamp. God pops out, makes wishes. I tell him what I, tells me I can make all the wishes I want. I make wishes. He's going to give me all the stuff. You know, there are a lot of scriptures like that in the Bible that if you took them by themselves, it would just look like he's some big Santa Claus God and going, man, just tell me what you want. You can have it. So we have to read scripture in context. Let me just give you a little tip, and I give this tip all the time. When you're reading a verse or you're reading a passage, always ask, what did it mean then? What does it mean now? And what does it mean to me personally? Those are the three questions you want to ask when you're studying a scripture. When you're reading your devotion, it's really easy to get up in the morning with these devotion. I get a scripture. The first thing I see on my phone every morning is a scripture. That's great. I wake up, I look at it, I read that. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's going to help me. That's going to help me grow. But boy, when I look at that scripture and then I look at what was before it and I look at what was after it and I ask what did it mean then, what does it mean now, and what does it mean to me personally, that's when you're able to get some of the juice out of that scripture that you don't get by just reading it quickly. Amen? Y'all with me? And so it's really important to do that to make sure we read it in the proper context. Now as as you look at that verse, as you read that verse... Some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're going, okay, that's in the Bible, great. Then why are my needs not being met? Because I can't make my car payment this month. And I'm behind on my credit card bills. So that's great up there on the screen, Pastor. I mean, that's great on your little flat screen TV you got there. But why didn't that translate into my life? Why do I still feel, Pastor, like I'm not blessed. I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't feel blessed. If I was honest and I try to hold back because people would think I wasn't even a believer, some of the things that go through my mind, Pastor, 
But sometimes, even though I'm a Christian, I feel like things are hopeless. Even though I'm a Christian, sometimes I feel like I'm over my head all the time, and I'm never going to catch up, and I'm never going to live the life that, you know, you guys at the bridge keep preaching about, and I want to learn to live that life. How can I live it? Why is this promise not being fulfilled in my life? It's because that this promise is not for everybody. Now, the promise of God's love for you, that's for everybody. The promise of God's grace for you, no matter what you did last night, no matter what you're doing, no matter what hidden behavior you have in your life, if you want forgiveness, if you want grace, if you want mercy, if you want God to love you in spite of your imperfections, all of those promises are to you. But this promise has a condition. It has a condition attached to it. As a matter of fact, one writer said, it's a promise with a premise. God says, I'll do this. I will do it. Because God don't lie, does he? But God's like, but I need you to do this first. I'm asking you to trust me, God says. I'm asking you to take a step of faith. And when I see you do that, I promise, God don't lie, I will be there to meet all your needs according to my riches in glory through Christ Jesus. See, when it comes to money, we think the big question is, can I trust God with my money? But the big question is, can God trust us with his blessing? See, when God knows he can trust you with his blessing, you're going to get blessed. But see, we sit out there, and look, I know, man, I've been out there. We're like, when God does, when he blesses me, and come on, we're blessed. We're blessed. When God, then I'll, then I'll, God's going, no, out of what you got right now, I want to see your faithfulness. I want to see your trust in me. We all want the promise that God will meet all our needs, but we want to skip over the condition that we have to meet before that promise can be fulfilled. So I want you to back up. We just read verse 19, Philippians 4, 19. Back up in your Bible, and we're going to put it on the screen. I want you to back up to verse 14, and let's back up and see what he said before he got to verse 19. Are we brave enough to do that? Yes. Here we go. About, about a third of you are brave enough. Even so, Philippian church... Little tiny church, man, on a little seaside there in a little town called Philippi. Really, really poor people. They had been through a lot of trouble, and they had been through a lot of persecution, and, and they were very, very poor people. He said, but I want you Philippians to know something. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So Paul needed their help. He needed their assistance. I'm sure it was financial. I'm sure it was prayer. I'm sure it was a lot of different things, just like our church needs you. Verse 15, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news. And what's the good news? The gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And then I left you and traveled on from Macedonia because the Philippian church was in Macedonia. He said, I want you guys to know that no other church did this for me. He said, man, you Philippians, you guys are so good to me, so generous. Let's go to the next slide. He says, I got to tell you, even when I was in Thessalonica, even when I was in a, at another city ministering to another church, you sent help more than once. Instead of them helping me, you sent help so I could help them. Look at verse 17. He says, guys, please understand, I'm not trying to manipulate you. I don't say this because I want more from you. I'm not bragging on you, Paul says, so you'll give me more. I'm not saying this so I, I'll get a gift from you. He said, rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. You know what he was saying right there? He was saying, I'm bragging on you guys, not because I want something from you. I'm bragging on you because I want you to keep doing it, and I want something for you. Because I know if you'll keep being like this, if you'll keep being generous, if you will keep letting God flow through you, then man, get ready. You're going to get blessed. He said, so I want you to know I'm not bragging on you to manipulate you and go, man, he said really nice things about us. Let's write a bigger check or let's give more money. Paul said, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, Paul's going to tell him in a minute, I got all I need. How many TV preachers you ever heard say that? <laughs> not that many. And I'm not against all TV preachers, but when you say to me, if you give to my ministry, you're going to get blessed, and the more you give to my ministry, the more you're going to get blessed, because i got to make that payment on my airplane. That's the universal sign for... Eh. Go to the next slide. Look what Paul says. Paul says, because at the moment, I have all I need. Paul says, I got all I need at the moment. Matter of fact, I got what? More than I need. Paul says, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. Now, I, don't, I could get into who Epaphroditus is, but one thing I'm sure of, he was mad at his mama when he found out that was his name. <laughs> but that's a, that's a good name. It means something. You know, in the Bible, it, names meant something. Paul goes on, he says, they, that is your generous acts, your generous gifts to me, are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Wow, isn't that awesome language right there? That's beautiful language. You know what this is? This is a thank you note. This is a thank you note from Paul. It's a thank you note to that church. And he says, guys, you work hard. You gave out of your poverty. And you supported my God-given mission to reach the world. And man, I just want to say thank you so much. I mean, these guys were extremely generous, though they were very poor. Can I say, they loved offering time. They loved when it was time to take the offering. They loved giving. Now, here's how I know that. Because when Paul was trying to teach another church about giving, he used the Philippian church as an example. He's talking to the church at Corinth. 
He's saying, now guys, you know, you need to give, and you give first, you sow first, and then you reap. And, and, and then it's kind of like he goes, hey, listen, let, let me just tell you about a church who does that. So let's go to, uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and let's begin with verse uh, 1. So Paul's talking to the Corinthian church now about the Philippian church. He says, now I want you to, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters. So when, when Paul writes and he calls somebody brothers and sisters, we know he's talking to who? Christians, church folk. He says, what God in his kindness, I want you to know what God in his kindness has done through the church where? In Macedonia. And what church is that? The Philippian church. Go on to the next slide. They are being, come on, tested. He said, I want you to know that this church I'm about to use as an example, you're doing a lot better than they are. You're not under nearly the pressure they're under. You're not nearly under the persecution they're under. He said, I want you to know these guys who have been so good, they are tested by many troubles more than you guys are. He says, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy. Everybody say amen. Because that means even though you are tested with many troubles, and even though you are very poor, you can still hold on to your joy. And if you can't hold on to your joy because you're being tested, and if you can't hold on to your joy because you're going through troubles, and if you can't hold on to your joy when you don't have enough money, then something's wrong with your walk with God because that joy is that inner peace. Remember we talked about that? Happiness is based on what happens, so our happiness goes up and down. But if you're walking intimately with God, your joy doesn't. Your joy doesn't. And you might be sitting there going, man, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Ask God what that means. Next time you pray, just say, God, Pastor keeps talking about joy and happiness are different. I always thought joy and happiness were the same. And so, God, I guess when I get, dis when I get troubled and I don't have enough money, God, I want to I have that joy Pastor talks about. You know what? You cannot fully comprehend <laughs> A particular principle in the Bible but if you will bring it to God and go God you know what I don't fully comprehend what that means but I want that did you know you can pray like that see a lot of you think you can't get your prayers through because you're not theologians amen have you ever heard somebody pray a theological prayer you know, when they get through, you know, I'm supposed to agree with them. The Bible says I'm supposed to agree with them. I kind of want to look up and go, God, I don't know what he just said. But if you like it, I'm cool with it. <laughs> and I know here at the bridge, you know, we get criticized some because, you know, they're like, we, I need more deep. I need deep. I'm not, I've had people leave our church and go, I just wasn't getting fed. Well, here's what I've figured out about getting fed. The only people who I know who cry when they're hungry and whine when they're hungry are babies. I've noticed that when you're grown up, if you're hungry, you go make yourself a sandwich. Now I just preach right there. Now I just say something. So don't complain to me that you're hungry. Get your Bible out and feed yourself. So when you tell me you're hungry and you're not getting fed, it tells me you're not spending any time with God and the only time you're trying to eat is when you come to church here on Sunday morning. You're starved to death eating at Bojangles once a week. Now, I don't know if you'd starve to death if you bought that box. 
How many of y'all believe that what I just said is not in my notes? It's not, it's not. So look what Paul says. He said, he says, I want you to know that this awesome church, this Philippian church, begged us, not just once, but again and again, for the come on. Everybody say that word again. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. The Bible says when it comes time to give and take up the offering, give with what kind of heart? A cheerful heart. Now, we'll take your money. It don't matter what your attitude is. <laughs> Spins the same. But I'm saying, guys, if you want to enjoy your worship, Make giving a part of your worship, and when you put that offering in, say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I could give that. For the what of sharing? The privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. So I want you to know what he's saying there is that the Philippians gave to churches somewhere else. They don't just give when it's their church. That's why we try to be so intentional about sowing into other churches. Uh, there's a church right outside Mount Olive right now that's having some financial troubles and struggles, and um, we're going to help them financially. We're going to help them. They need some uh, uh, repairs done on their church, and we're going to help them. Do y'all like that we do that kind of thing? I'm telling you, man, that's what it's all about right there. Verse 5, they even did more than we had hoped. He said, I want you to know, I had a, a, a number in mind with these Philippians and what they were going to give. They gave more than I thought they would. For their first action was not about money. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Because see, when you give yourself to the Lord, do you know that giving financially is a byproduct of having first given yourself to the Lord? And to us, he said they gave, to, they, they gave themselves to the Lord. He said, but they also gave themselves to, to the vision of ministry God had put in my heart. He said they felt like the vision God had put in my heart. This is Paul talking. He said they believed in that vision. So they gave themselves to the Lord and to the vision just as God, what? Wanted them to do. So Paul says, man, they were poor. They had nothing Paul said, you know, I told them not to even give. I said, don't even give. You guys have been so good, don't even give. And they rebelled. They pleaded and said, no, don't cheat us out of that blessing. They pleaded for the opportunity to give to that mission because they knew the Lord would provide for their every need if they sowed in faith. What are the results of our generosity? Let me just give you five things really fast. Did you know when you give, it softens people's hearts and they become more open to Jesus? See, when we take a check that you guys give, y'all gave last week on the, on the dollar for change, and we go to a local school and we sew that check into that local school so we can give it to the teachers who quite often have to buy their own supplies. Got any teachers in the house? <clears throat> then there are unbelievers among those teachers. There are unbelievers among those administrators. And they don't know much about the bridge. And what they do know, they might think, man, I've heard a lot of criticism about that church. You know, they do things different over there. I've heard a lot of criticism. 
But see, when you give and then we go give and we say, hey, man, we love you. We thank God for you. We thank God for you in our community. We love our teachers. Um, again, everything's not perfect, but we can do our part. Then that act, and that's just one tiny example, that heart is just a little softer. And then another act may be by somebody and it gets a little softer. And what God's doing, and you can read about this uh, in the Word of God where it talks about God breaking up the fallow ground. God break it. How many of you farmers out there, y'all know what fallow ground is, that hard, crusty ground? And God just uses our generosity to break it up so that when somebody comes along with the Word, then that person's heart is soft. So your generosity, people are grateful for it, and they are softer toward God. The second thing that happens is when you give, it makes you more like Jesus. How many of you know Jesus is pretty generous? How about God loved us so much he gave his only son? Nobody's more generous than God. So when you're generous, you're like him. The third thing, it makes your faith grow because you step out in faith. You know, Millie and I are going to give our check next week's the weekend for our offering. And, and Millie and I are going to give our check, and, and we're stepping out in faith. We're stepping out in faith. And, you know, we're, we're like, hey, you know what? If we don't get as nice a vacation this time, or, or we don't get this, or we don't get that, or I have to do without that, then we're just going to do without it because we believe God has put this number in our heart, and we're going to give it next week. We're going to do without some things. I'm telling you, man, when you do that, your faith grows stronger because then you're able to see God act in your life in certain ways you hadn't seen before, and you're like, man, this works. This works, and your faith goes to another level. Number four, I please my heavenly Father. When you see, let me ask you something. When you see your little child be generous to another child, maybe a child who doesn't have much, or maybe your child comes home from school and they've met a really, really poor child, and your child is kind of teary a little bit, and they're worried about that child, and they're like, Mama, they don't even have a lunchbox. They don't even have a backpack. And they, you can tell their little heart is touched by that. Let me ask you something as a mom and dad. Does that please you that they have that heart? Yeah, boy. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Matter of fact, you'll, you'll say, get me. Let me. Let's hook up with that child. I'll get them a backpack. We'll get, and then you let their child give. You let your child give that to them. And, and so it just pleases you when your child's heart is tender toward the needs of others. Amen? And when God sees you like that, he's proud of his boys and girls. He's proud of us. When he looks down on the bridge and he sees that we don't hoard our money, of course, we do what the Bible says. We have some money saved on the side in case there was some kind of big need. But, but man, I'm telling you guys, the money goes through this church. When, when we build up in our missions, our missions director's right back there. Keith, I love you, buddy. I love your board. I love your team. Wave at me back there. That's our missions director right there. He's always saying, Pastor, uh, we got this little build up. We got this. Can we bless? Can we do this? See, how many of y'all been to churches where they had more money in the graveyard maintenance fund than they had in any other fund? I remember a pastor told me one time, he said, the dead people live better than I do in this church. He's a little bit upset. Y'all seen churches like that? They'll tell you they don't have any money, and they don't even count the $500,000 in CD. I'm preaching up here. 
we're not like that man. We're not like that. It's not our money. It's his money. I want him to get it to us, but I want him to get it, come on, through us. Amen, amen. I tell you, when God comes, when Jesus comes back, who believes Jesus is coming back? When he comes back, I don't want him finding a whole bunch of money in the bank of the bridge. Amen? I don't want God finding that and going, why didn't you, there was that missionary and there was that church down the street and there was that poor family and there was this and this. Why have you got all that money stored up? Now, don't misunderstand me. We're very careful and we are wise and, and the Bible talks about that part too, but I'm going to tell you something. When we see an opportunity to be Jesus, we're going to be Jesus at some level. Sometimes we've got a little more we can do. Sometimes we don't have as much, but we're going we're gonna to do something. Amen? Amen, amen. It's not mine. Then finally, I'm investing in eternity. I said I was going to go through these fast, didn't I? I was going to go through them so fast I didn't even put them on the screen. So people are grateful, so their heart is softened toward God. You become more like Jesus when you're generous. Your faith grows when you're generous. You please your Heavenly Father when you're generous. And when you give, your investment is, has eternal consequences. It has eternal consequences. See, you're putting money in that IRA, and I do the same thing, and that's wise, and you ought to do that. But let me tell you how much money, how much of that you're going to take with you when you die. Here's what we say in the South, ne'er bit, baby. You ain't taking ne'er bit with you. None. And all you people from foreign countries like California, New York, you're writing down ne'er bit. I'll look that up when I get home. Amen? So... So you're investing in eternity when you give. When you give here, when you give to a parachurch organization, when you give to an organization that's proclaiming the gospel, your investment is eternal. Look at Matthew 6, 20. Pop that up there, guys. Store your treasures in what? Heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. So now I'm going to go to the ladder. And we're going to close this sermon talking about the generosity ladder, okay? So let's talk about the different steps. So here's the first step right here on the bottom. And I'm going to be on this one by the time this sermon's over. My wife's like, thank God for that insurance policy. Thank God for that life insurance. She's like, I'm about to really give to the bridge. All right. This is that, this is that, remember the, the uh, pocket generosity last week? That spur of the moment where you don't really have anything planned to give. Uh, you know, it's like walking out at Christmas and the guy's ringing the bell and the kettle's there and you're like, what have I got on me? You know, and that's okay because even if you give to that, because there are some folks that aren't even there. Even if you give to that, that's a good sign. That means you're loosening your grip a little bit. You're understanding God wants to get some stuff through you. So that's good. That's really good. But listen, unbelievers give at that level. So man, if we're believers, and we know how good God's been to us, we ought to be better than that. And then the next step on your ladder is planned giving, planned or systematic giving. Uh, this, this level of giving, here's what it says. It says, I have a plan in place. I'm not going to just see if there are any leftovers and give God the leftovers. 
I'm going to plan to give a certain amount. And it might not be 10% yet. It might not be that. It might be, you know what, I've been given a 20. I'm, I'm going I'm to, or I've been given a 5, or I've been given a, a 10, or one Sunday a 5, one Sunday a 10. Once in a while, I'll give a 20. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start giving $25 every time. See, you just stepped up. You just went from that step to the planned step or the systematic step. And one of the, thing, one of the reasons we uh, give you so many ways to give is because in our society today, people give in a lot of different ways. They, do you know that, that um, I don't know, I should have asked uh, Pastor Jim Gillikin about this, but do you know that a major percentage, a huge percentage of our money is not taken up on Sunday morning? Do you guys know that people are really hooking up online? And we've got a lot of money coming in online. A lot of the money that we take up every week comes in online. It helps people plan their giving. They know when they're going to get their check. They plan their giving. So I'm, I'm just challenging you to do planned giving. You say, now is that in the Bible? I am so glad you asked. So let's look in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Paul says, now regarding your question about the money being collected. See, the Bible's full of teaching on giving. Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. Look at the next slide. On the first day of each week, what does this sound like? What kind of giving? Planned, systematic. On the first day of each week, now, now, don't get legalistic about that. This is Paul just giving instruction to that church. That doesn't mean that's what you have to do. People can give in different ways. People get paid different ways. Their income is different. He's just telling them, uh, guys, on the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion. In other words, put aside what you've what? Planned, what you've thought about, and put that aside Put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait till the last minute. Don't wait till I get there and see what you got on you. But make a plan. That's what we're asking you to do next week. Make a plan. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at one time. And so he's just telling them, and we already do this. We, a lot of us, I don't know about you, I do. I have, uh, I have it set up with my bank where my mortgage payment is made at a certain time. I know when that's going to be made. I don't even write a check anymore. And I, I have that with other bills that I pay. And I'm sure a lot of y'all have that too. you got it planned. But even if you don't do the online thing, you've got a system because you don't want to get behind on your bills. So you've got, you plan, hey, i got to have somewhere to live. So you plan that rent or that mortgage. i got to have something to eat. So you go, i this is what I got to do for groceries. You got to have electricity. This is what I do for electricity, water, all that. You know what's coming, so you make sure that money's there so you will have those sources of, of need in your life. And so God, what he's saying here is do that with God. Don't just give God the leftovers. Make a plan and see what God does. Let's look at the next one. Y'all want to see if I can go to the next step? Let's don't. Let's don't. <clears throat> obedient generosity. So you're moving on up. You're moving on up. Obedient generosity. 
You know, I know there are people in our church, because I get emails that don't believe in the 10% thing. You think that's, um, you know, uh, uh, Old Testament and God doesn't hold to that anymore. Well, here's how I look at 10%. Let's say you're right and I'm wrong. I say 10% because I think that's the bottom line. Just, I'll wait till y'all get through saying amen. I think, I think 10% is the bottom line. I mean, if I can't give God a dime out of every dollar, come on. I, I give God one dollar. How, how much of a $10 bill belongs to God? And he, he says, if you'll give me one, I'll let you keep nine, but it's all mine. Because you couldn't even breathe if I didn't let you breathe. So he goes, they're all mine, but I'm going to let you keep nine. You give me one. And look, if you'll give me one, I'll pour a blessing out on you you can't even hold. Anybody here looking for a good deal? Because that's a good deal right there. That's a good deal. People get mixed up on good deals. I used to work at a grocery store on William Street in Goldsboro called Open Air Market. How many of y'all remember Open Air Market? We couldn't sell certain things for $25 a can, 25 cents a can. Well, $25, that would be high. We couldn't sell it. Put 25 cents a can, you couldn't sell it. You put in three for a dollar, you couldn't keep them. Y'all do realize the price just went up. So take them off the shelf, put them in a big bin, and put a big yellow sign that says three for a dollar, and they go, oh, my goodness. We don't even recognize deals when we see one. Let me tell you something. The tithe deal God's made with us, we win. We win. Amen. So, um, so he talks about that. Let's look at Deuteronomy 14, 23. Everybody with me say amen. amen. He says, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship. The place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be worshipped or honored. That sounds like the church to me. I'll let you all decide. And eat it there in his presence. The reason he said eat it, you'll see in the next sentence. Because their giving wasn't always money. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this, giving, giving that tithe, giving that 10% will teach you to always fear God. Now that word fear doesn't mean, it means honor. It means respect. You know what it means? It means it'll teach you to prioritize God in your life. Prioritize God, the Lord your God. Look at uh, that um, Italian prophet Malachi. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did I ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings. Tithes and what? Offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. There's a whole background of that we don't have time to get into. They had been tithing, they quit, and God sent the prophet to say, hey, you guys are out of line. You're out of line. Look at verse 10. Bring all the tithe. That word tithe means one-tenth. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. I believe that's the local church. If you don't agree with that, come up to me after the service and I'll forgive you. Bring all the tithes, one-tenth into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my what? Temple was Old Testament. What's New Testament? church if you do God says if you do that if you obey me if you will take that step of faith says the Lord of heaven's armies 
I will. If you do, I will. If you do, I will. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Here's the deal. If you'll give me 10 cents out of every dollar, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And then he says, try it. He says, put me to the boom. Now, I know some of you have been asking, well, can I give my tithe to my grandma? Can I give my tithe to my sick aunt? Can I give my tithe to my son who can't pay his car payment? Here's how I feel about that. And I'm right. No, I'm just, here's, how, here's how I feel about that. I believe your tithe goes to the local church. I believe your offerings can go wherever you want to use them. Now, you get with God. If you can work out a different deal with God and you feel at peace with that, hey, man, I'm not going to argue with that. I don't look at what you give anyway. I have no idea what you give. But you get with God. Don't do what you want to do. Amen? Do what you want, what you know he wants you to do. So if you don't agree with some of this, then you know what? I will even say to you, okay, okay. You got a different perspective than I do? Then here's what you got to do. And I'm going to put this out there. You got to do what I did. You got to get with God about that. You can't make up your own mind about it without talking to him. Amen? All right? So don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. All right, and then finally, sacrificial generosity. And I'm not, not, not going to talk about this one long, but I want to tell you there's some extravagant giving that people do, and we've had that happen here at the church. It doesn't happen very often, but it's people who go, you know what, 10%, I've been so blessed, I'm going to give beyond 10%. And then some people who aren't even really that blessed or that wealthy uh, give beyond 10%. And I'm not going to read the Matthew Scripture, but put it up there, guys. And you guys put it in your notes and read that when you get home. But it's talking about how that the Pharisees became very legalistic about their tithe. Very legalistic. Y'all know what that means? I just did it because I'm awesome. And he says, but you forgot justice and you forgot mercy and faith. But you were very legalistic about your tithe. I'm not asking you to be legalistic. I'm asking you to bring it to God. Now, now let me tell you a couple of ways you can be very extravagant in, in your giving. And I want to tell you that this is something Millie and I have done. So I'm not putting it out there for you to do and then tell you that I haven't thought about it for myself. I have a life insurance policy. We already have it set that when that life insurance policy is cash, when I pass away, this church is going to get 10% of that life insurance policy. We have the church in our will because this church has been good to me. I mean, not just good to me in that you gave me a job for 26 years, but thank you for that. But when my son died, this church was, I wouldn't have made it. So that giving is not to pay tithes on my income, but I love my church. I love this church. So I've got it set up so that when Millie and I pass, and if, she, if I pass first and then she don't do it, I will haunt her. I'll come back. <laughs> She's more generous than I am. So do you all understand? There are different ways. All right. 
So there, let me, let me, those of you who haven't got on the ladder at all, just get on it somewhere, all right? So there's the first challenge. Those of you that are here, pray. Move, move up to planned giving. And then from planned giving, move up, to, move up to generous giving, obedient giving. And then move on up to, to extravagant or sacrificial giving. Just take the next step. Whatever you're giving, just take the next step. Now, next week, put the dates up. You guys know it's already, we put it up so many times. Next weekend, we're going to have probably two or three places you can give your offering. I'm not sure how to be set up. There might be just one big one here. But we're going to bring our offering at the end of the service next week. <clears throat> and I know some of you are thinking, I'm going to go on vacation next week. We will keep that table right here as long as we need to. <laughs> because... This is a special time for our church. And we're asking you to test God. <laughs> Those of you who do 10%, thank you. I'm going to give 10%, and then Mila and I are giving a special offering over that for this weekend. Those of you who don't give 10% and never have, try it this weekend. Try it this coming weekend. He said, try me. Test me. Those of you who have just been giving God the leftovers, think about the biggest offering you ever gave. You say, well, I can't give 10%. Well, just think about the biggest offering you ever gave and beat that. Beat that offering. Let's say the biggest offering you ever gave to the bridge was $50. Give $55 on that Sunday next weekend. Let's see what God will do. Let's see what he'll do. I'm telling you guys, y'all were awesome last year. I know you're going to be awesome this year. We're able to do some really special things with this offering. So we just ask you to be faithful, and I know you will. I know you will. Y'all are, are just awesome people, and I know you will. And I'm like Paul. I'm not saying that. Paul said, I'm not saying that to get more. Paul said, I'm just saying it because I love you, and it's true. Let's all stand together, would you? Can you, uh, you know what, I know um, we don't have a lot of time, but I, I want you to walk up here. I want you to walk up here and let me pray over you. Because I want you to be able to give. I want you to be able to give next week. Now look, if you have nothing, nothing, nothing you can give. If you're sitting here going, I don't have anything I can give, Pastor. I mean, i got to eat. I got. Listen, go to your couch today. I guarantee you there's some money down in there. <laughs> because I want you to give. I want you to walk by. I don't care how much is in it. I want you to walk by and go, you know what? I don't have much. But I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, I am planting this seed. I can't do 10%, Pastor, but I'm going to give the biggest offering I've ever given. I've never done 10%, Pastor, but I'm going to do it this weekend. Pastor, I've always done 10%, but I've never given beyond that. But I'm going to do it this weekend. That's what I want you to do. I want you to just take the next step up and let's see what God does. Who's with me? Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for your blessings on us. You're so good to us, Lord. You're so good to us. Enable us. Remind us. I know you're going to work on me. Me and Millie got this number, and you never let me give the number. I decide it always ends up being more. So, God, I'm open. Whatever you say to me, whatever you say to Miss Millie, that's what we will do this weekend. And God, I just pray that the people will not look at this gift as giving to Pharaoh or giving to the bridge, but I pray they'll look at it as an act of obedience, sowing into heaven, sowing into eternity. And 
will take you up on your challenge in the book of Malachi when you said, try it. Just try it. Test me and watch what I do. Thank you, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said...